Welcome to the Our Conference podcast. It's been our dream to position our resurgent family under the sound of world-class leaders whom we have the honor of calling friends from all over the world. We believe God has called each and every one of us to revive hearts, restore relationships, reform culture, and reawaken nations. This teaching will do just that. This is your invitation to your best summer ever. Let us stir faith in your spirit and hope in your soul. Be refreshed. Welcome to day three of our Hello Summer Conference. Join Pastor Miriam Fleming from Church Alive from New Jersey as she hosts a masterclass session about real talk for sisterhood. Enjoy the session. Well, hello, Resurgent Church. Hello, Summer Conference and leaders, women leaders. How are you? Hello, Pastor Vanessa. Love you so much, my friend. So thankful for the opportunity to be able to just share for a few moments on what's happening in my world, what God has been speaking to me about, and what I've been basically wrestling out in my spirit in this season of madness. Man, there's so much going on. It's like 2020 hit. We're all like, yeah, great new year, new chapter, great things. And then bam, COVID. (laughs) And then it's just been one thing after another. And man, I think the enemy would just wish that he could steal all of our peace and joy. But I'm so thankful that we know in whom we can trust and that we can have our joy, our peace, and our confidence in Christ. And so thank you so much for the opportunity. I just have something brief I want to share with you something I feel like God is doing in my heart, God has been doing in my heart over the last year, but in particularly the last few months. It's a message, uh, not just of hope, it's a message of hope, but also a a message of action. And uh, before I go ahead and start, why don't we just pray? And I love to invite the Holy Spirit to be here and to uh, lead even our thinking, our um, whatever he wants to speak in and through me, but also um, whatever it is that you need to receive at this time. So Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for Resurgent Church and all that you are doing in that beautiful ministry. I thank you, God, that you are for us, Lord, and not against us. I thank you that you have a word for us in due season. I pray for this whole conference. I pray for every message, Lord, to just be um, just fruitful seed in each person's heart and soul. We love you, Father. We welcome you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to start off by reading uh, out of the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And um, this is the words of Jesus. And check out what it says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus calls us light of the world and salt of the earth. That means you and I are so responsible, right? There is such a vital role in the body of Christ to bring hope, light in dark places, salt, right? Flavor in bitter places. And I felt like over the last few months, it's been such a confusing time. I found myself super confused, 
super frustrated. It's a time of not just confusion, but of disagreements like crazy, right? It's been a time of division like I've never seen before. And I've never found myself, even though I like to consider myself a person who often relies on the Holy Spirit, a person who often relies on Jesus, clearly, right? But I found myself like never before having a loss of words. And all I've been able to say is, Holy Spirit, help. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, this world needs you. My church needs you. My family needs you. The nations of the world need you. And I found that a lot of people that I'm in contact with, friends and family, they're all feeling the same way. Frustrated, confused, divided. There's one story on this side, one story on that side, and everyone's divided. Everyone's disagreeing. Family against family, friends against friends. People on social media are at each other's throats, kind of. You know what I'm saying? As much as you can be online. And it's just been such a discouraging season if you allow it to be. And I found that in the midst of the discouragement, in the midst of the madness, in the midst of the division, right? I want to remind you and I, and I've had to remind myself that we have the ultimate change agent living inside of us. His name is Jesus. He is the ultimate change agent. When we feel like we have nothing to offer, when we feel like what can our little part actually do in the grand scheme of things? What can my voice, what can my platform do? What can my sphere of influence possibly do to stop this madness or to produce change that needs to happen? And we get discouraged and then we shrink back and we kind of get into this fetal position of like, What can I do, God? What what can I possibly do? We feel like prayer is essential, but so often we have to get to a point where we get get off of our knees from prayer and actually stand and act, right? We, We go to action. And I love that in the word of God, being light and being salt, they're action words. To be salt is to take, basically take something bland and bring a bunch of flavor into it, right? To be light is to change a dark environment. It's a complete different change of scenario. And he calls you and I that. And we can do that. We don't have to find ourselves. We don't have to be intimidated by the great craziness that's happening. We don't have to be intimidated by um, just all the stuff, all the chaos, all the confusion that is around us. Because Jesus, the greatest change agent, the greatest um, hero, right, that ever walked, He is alive and he is well, and he calls us to co-labor with him. I want to encourage you today. You can bring light today in the midst of darkness. You can bring flavor in the midst of bitterness. You can bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. You can bring life in the midst of loss. And because Jesus is alive and his Holy Spirit is alive in us and at work in us, there is hope. Better days are ahead. It's not just a cliche Christian statement that we say the best is yet to come. We know the best is yet to come because we know our destiny in Christ. We know that eternity with Christ is beautiful. It is perfect. And so we know that although we are living in days that are unknown, although we don't know what tomorrow may bring, we know who holds the future. Because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. You can face tomorrow. And so I just want to remind us today that although we are facing challenging days, he calls you and I to be a vessel with him, a vessel of hope, a vessel of life, a vessel of light, 
and a vessel of salt, right? Change agents. And so in order to be that salt, in order to be the light of the world, we actually need to evaluate ourselves. What are we actually thinking? Not necessarily what are we writing, what do we actually think? Have we examined ourselves in Corinthians? It talks about um, the Lord's Supper, right? When we're taking communion, the Lord tells us, examine yourself. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? What's actually happening? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so you have to examine what are you saying and what is what you're saying producing? What's coming out of your life? What is the fruit that is coming out of your life? Are you uniting people or dividing people? Are you being humble? Are we being humble? Or are we being prideful with the projection of our information? There's so much information right now. There's so many different thoughts right now. There's so many different ideas right now. And all these people, all of us are projecting our thoughts, are projecting our information as as this truth, right? And there's truth, of course, to what we say, obviously, I hope, at least. (laughs) But the reality is we can do it in a way that's either prideful or we can do it in a way that's humble. Again, humility is not weakness. Humility is what Jesus calls us to walk in as he himself walked in. Are your words bringing life or are they bringing death? Are you filled with compassion or are we filled with apathy? And today I wanted to hone in on one particular thought. To be the salt in earth, uh, I'm sorry, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we need to carry kingdom culture. What is kingdom culture? Kingdom culture is not American or Canadian culture, right? It's not the culture that we see in, in movies sometimes and in songs that we listen to. It's not the culture of what we hear shouting in essence from social media platforms. Just because it shouts loud, doesn't mean that's the correct culture. Society and and the world we live in today, if we're not careful as ambassadors for Christ, it will shout louder at us instead of kingdom culture. There are a lot of things made okay in our culture that are not kingdom culture. And in order to be light, to be hope, to be salt, to be carriers of freedom, you and I, because we have received freedom in Christ, we are carriers of freedom. We are carriers to those who don't know Christ, those who don't experience freedom because they haven't met the power of the Holy Spirit. They haven't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You and I can bring freedom through the truth that we know about Jesus Christ to others. Look at the magnitude of what we carry. We carry such important things. We carry such vital things to people's future and people's destiny. You and I are agents of change because of what we carry. And in order to be able to carry these things, in order to be the light, in order to be all these things, we need to learn how to be a bridge that will lead people from worldly culture to kingdom culture. We need to help people bring them out of worldly culture and walk them over to kingdom culture because we know that kingdom culture will set people free. Kingdom culture will allow people to walk in the fullness that God has prepared in the promises. Kingdom culture will align us to God and not our flesh. I want to highlight two things in regards to kingdom culture versus worldly culture. The first one today is in worldly culture, it is expected that we love our friends. But in kingdom culture, it is expected that we love our enemies. 
Now that's hard. That's really hard. I've been challenged time and time again on that one thought. In particular, last year, I went through, I wouldn't say the most challenging, actually not at all the most challenging, but I went through a little challenging season where, um, you know, someone, we had found out that someone had been in the, in the business of gossiping and slander and trying to be divisive. And we had felt promptings in our spirit that this person may start doing this. And so we were on top of it. And so I just felt, though, that through it all, I was still called to love this person. But I was having a hard time loving this person when I didn't trust this person. And so I rang up one of my friends and I said, hey, I'm having a really hard time trusting this person. How do I trust someone, you know, that has done A, B, and C? How do I love someone that I don't trust? And my friend looked at me and she said to me, She's like, Miriam, Jesus didn't tell us to just love our neighbor. He actually also told us to love our enemies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course I know that. I've known that my whole life. But the reality is you can know a lot about the word of God. You can agree with a lot of things, right? You can can be like, oh my gosh, great word. Yes, amen, amen. Until it's your turn to actually have to step into some of the hard seasons that offense rejection, um, basically unforgiveness, right, will do. And in that moment, I was like, wow. It was weird to have to see her as an enemy, but my flesh, in essence, because of what I was thinking, it was almost like she became an enemy, and I had to learn how to pray. And as I prayed for her, the more I prayed for her, the more I felt myself filling up with compassion. It was so weird. And actually, a few people who were around the situation and knew the situation, they're like, how are you like speaking like that about her? How are you so grace-filled and how are you being so compassionate? And I was like, because you know what? I have to see her like Jesus sees her. Obviously something has happened in her past. Something's happened to her for her to be able to act this way. Jesus still loves her regardless of her brokenness. And so that was an interesting time for me to learn that kingdom culture is not just about loving your neighbor. It's also about loving your enemy. Number two, in today's culture, it's expected we cancel who we disagree with. In kingdom culture, it's expected we are honorable to all, even those we disagree with. And that's a hard one to see today in our society. Society is just not about it. Society is like, if you disagree with me, I'm canceling you. I'm unfollowing you. I'm writing you off. We're no longer family. We're no longer friends, right? Society is teaching us that if you don't agree, you can't be united. If you don't agree, you can't um, be good. It's almost like disagreement means that person is your enemy. And that's very dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. And I heard this one quote by a pastor, Rick Warren, from Saddleback Church in California. An amazing quote, and I just see it today more than ever, how scary it is, the world we live in. Scary to an extent, but I'm full of hope because I know who sits on the throne. So I don't want to sound negative there when I say it's scary. But at the same time, we know that God is faithful and he is with us. He's Emmanuel, right? So check out this quote. It says, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. 
You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I want to read that again. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that you, if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Like that phrase went poof. You know that emoji that's like exploding brain? Like that's how I felt when I read that um, statement from Rick Warren. I was like, how true is that? It's almost as if you disagree with someone. If you don't agree with someone, immediately you're considered their enemy. And that's not the truth at all. And I found also too many Christians in the name of not compromising conviction have adopted a behavior that cancels compassion. It cancels empathy. It cancels essentially love. And it puts on an arrogance. It puts on self-righteousness, almost like a Pharisee spirit. And I think it's so interesting that we can actually not compromise our conviction and still stay compassionate and still have empathy and still try to understand, although disagree. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1. Um, actually, a big portion of the verse we're going to read, of the chapter we're going to read together, but I'm going to have you guys all read it when you can at home. It's about 32 verses, gold in every single verse, but we're going to read quite a bit, so why don't you go ahead and join me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and it says like this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, by the way, this is Paul speaking, he's in prison um, for basically being a Christ follower and leading people to Christ. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Light of the world, salt of the earth, right? Ambassadors for Christ. Lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble. Always. Not when it's convenient. Not when it's in agreement with you. No, always be humble and gentle. Again, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness actually shows self-control, and that's actually strong. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I mean, um, can we underline that for a second? Like, that's hard, but it's so real because we want people to make allowances for our faults, right? But check it out. He says, be patient with each other and make allowance for each other's faults. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's hard, Paul. That is hard. But Paul is being in prison. He's put in prison. All these things that he says, right? Even in, in Philippians, all of Philippians is, is essentially about joy. And he's in prison. If anyone has the right to tell us how to live, it's Paul, right? Aside from Jesus. And he says, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Make every effort. Circle that. Make every effort, whatever you can do, whatever it is that you can do, do it. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Like unity was so important to Paul. Unity in the body of Christ is so important because his word says that God commands his blessing where there is unity. And so the enemy, the devil knows if he can divide the body of Christ, if he can bring division, if he can bring whatever it is to, to, to divide us, 
then he knows he can wreak havoc in the body of Christ. That's why it is essential. That is why we have to make every effort to stay united, to, to stay together, to keep ourselves bound with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just, have, just, has, sorry, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. And we're going to just um, fast forward a few verses just for the sake of time, but literally read this whole chapter. And it says like this, and we can go right over to, <laughs> go right over to verse 32, actually, just to finish it off. It says, instead, be kind to each other. The verse above that, right? Verse 31, we could read that. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That is a challenge. Be kind to each other. It's not just be kind to each other when it's easy. It's not just hold the door for somebody. It's not just, you know, be kind when, you know, you're getting along. No, it's be kind when you don't get along. Be tender-hearted when you don't want to be tender-hearted, when you want to like, I don't know, punch somebody in the throat. I'm Jersey, I'm a little bit aggressive. Um, it's instead, right? Be kind to each other when it's not convenient. Be tender-hearted when you don't feel like it. It's forgiving one another when you feel like you have a right to stay offended. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you and me. It's a challenge. A lot of times we look at gentleness, right, as weakness. We look at tender-heartedness as weakness. Actually, I see it as strength because it takes a whole lot of self-control, a whole lot of self-control to stay kind, to stay loving when you disagree with somebody. I love that we have this portion of scripture to remind us what it means to walk worthy of our calling, that we can be salt, that we can be the light of the world. When everything is in chaos around us, when everything is confusing, when people are at each other's throats, when people are fighting, we can just say, hey, stop. Stop fighting. Stop arguing. Stop. God is for us. Stop. We, 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 we have to know. We have to remember. God is for us, not against us. We have this hope that is an anchor to our soul. We have to stop being more concerned about being right and more concerned about being the light. Hear that again. We have got to be more concerned. We've got to stop. Sorry. We've got to stop being more concerned about being right and more concerned about being the light. We're so concerned about our opinions. We're so concerned about being right all the time. We're so concerned about being heard all the time. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be heard. I'm not saying we shouldn't be understood. On the contrary. We need to listen more, even if it means your opinion is different than the other person. Be more concerned about being the light, by being the salt, by bringing hope, by being an agent of change through love, than trying to always be right. That's a challenge for me. I like being right. If I'm speaking to women, I'm pretty sure you like being right all the time too. I mean, we're technically right all the time, right? But at the end of the day, we can be right in a way that's honoring, that's humble, that's gentle, that's full of self-control. The fruits of the Spirit in chapter 5, Galatians, read it. It talks about the nine fruits of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, goodness. And I'm forgetting one, peace. Did I say peace? Nine. How do you know you're growing as a Christian? Those nine fruits are coming out of you. They're being developed in you. Let's be passionate about the message of Jesus during these trying times. It's his message that will bring hope. It's his message that transforms us from the inside out. If people have real encounters with Christ, there is no room for hate. There is no room for arrogance and pride. If people would dare to keep growing in Christ and love for people is what will come out of us. Empathy. Jesus needs to be at the center. In the society we're living in today, maybe instead of trying to focus on how to get everybody to agree, we can focus on how to disagree honorably. How to disagree honorably, respectfully, lovingly. Let's be the salt of the earth by removing bitterness. Let's be the light of the world by bringing hope into dark places. And we can only do that as we follow the cross of Jesus. His message is to be a bridge from one culture into kingdom culture. God bless you guys. God bless you, Resurgent Church and Hello Summer Conference. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you today. I pray that you would stay encouraged and remember that you are an agent of change because you carry hope within you. God bless you. See you soon. Thanks for listening to our our conference speakers today. We pray that it equipped you to do the work of the ministry in your spheres of influence. To find more teaching from our speaker, you can follow them on your social media. We love your resurgent church and thank you for being the most incredible movement of people on the planet. Have the best summer ever.